Well, today we are continuing our study in the book of Ephesians, so we're in our second week, and I told you all last week that we're going to be going through the book of Ephesians for probably the next like 27, 28 months. Um, I'm kidding, it's not going to be that long, but I was, as a matter of fact, when I started working on this, I came up with 30 messages, and I said, man, there ain't, I can't even keep my, I can't keep my attention more than two weeks, and so I said, we're going to have to work on that. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 today, verses 11 through 14, so if you have your Bible and you want to look there, uh, you can go ahead and turn there, it's in the New Testament, but as you're turning there, I was just going to uh, hopefully give you all a, an illustration that will kind of fit in with today's message. Uh, I am not, probably like many of y'all, a big fan of flying. Um, I don't like to fly very much. There's several reasons why. One of the reasons why is when I really take, I, I really, if you think about it, y'all, none of us would fly. I mean, you're in this like cylinder coffin, um, and you're hurling through the sky at like 600 miles an hour, and that freaks me out right there. But then on top of that, you're, you're totally not in control whenever you're in the airplane. I mean, you are totally putting all of your trust in the pilot that he knows what he's doing. And then on top of that, if there's any problems with the airplane, it's not like you can pull over on the side. And so let's just pop the hood and take a look and see what's going on. You know, I mean, if you get in trouble in the air, it, I just don't think it's going to be very good. And then, uh, so that's a, if any of y'all are flying in the next week, man, I just hope that y'all remember this. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, that I don't like about flying is that uh, it is typically is the exception and not the rule that uh, the planes are on time. Uh, there's been so many times, you know, whenever you, you land, you're playing, they're late getting you there. Have y'all experienced this before? They're late getting you there and you sprint to the next gate, which is always like in a totally different terminal, and you run as fast as you can, and you get there, and you press your face up against the window, and you watch your plane take off. And I'm just like begging, please, God, let it stop. And it, it doesn't. And so and as far as I'm concerned when that happens, I think the airline should, should like have a special plane for people like us because we paid for the ticket. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, Emily and I, were we had a connecting flight in Atlanta to come back to Columbia, and uh, we got to Atlanta, we go to our gate, and they, and they told us, it's like at 9 o'clock at night, they said, your plane, has, it's been canceled. But the good news is, we got y'all a ticket on Greyhound that's going to leave in a few hours, and you'll arrive in Columbia like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and you don't even have to pay for it. And I was like, man, that is a great deal. And so I just said, forget it, I went and rented our own car, and we just drove home. So anyway, I tell you all those things, because I think that, some of us, whenever we look at a relationship with God, that sometimes we kind of look at that like we look at airline service. And we, I think there's some of us, and we have a fear. I know I have reservations, but my fear is that when I go and I stand at the gates, you know, after I pass from this life, that God's going to look at me and say, man, I hate to tell you this, but we've overbooked. You know, I hate to tell you this, but you no longer have any reservations, and so it's my hope today as we look into our text that, that our, our scripture is going to allay maybe some of the fears that you might have concerning your relationship with God, concerning your reservations in your relationship with God. And so today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul sharing with us that once we make reservations, once we become followers of Jesus... That we can have confidence that our reservations with God, that our relationship with God is something that is permanent. It's not something that you lose. 
And so today in our text, we're going to see a few guarantees that Paul shares with us, the Apostle Paul, that he shares with us that our relationship with God is something that is permanent. And so I hope that's an encouragement to you today. And so we'll look at Ephesians chapter 1 in verses 11 through 14 in a few moments. But I want to give you a little background information. Uh, One is that this letter was written to the people, obviously the Christian church, in Ephesus. Now Ephesus is now, it's in modern day Turkey, but in ancient days it was a big time city. Had about 250,000 people that lived there. It was the home to one of the ancient seven wonders of the world. Uh, the Temple of Diana was there. Now, I don't know much about the Temple of Diana as far as what it looked like, but apparently it was this incredible, huge, beautiful building. Uh, I believe I read somewhere that it was like, it's like a, a four, maybe four times the size of the Parthenon in Greece. I mean, it was a major building. Uh, but uh, Ephesus also was a major banking center in Eastern Europe at this time. And so uh, you'll see that Paul, throughout the book of Ephesians, he uses a lot of banking terms. Uh, Today, one of the words we're going to be looking at is the word deposit. And so he uses terms like this to identify with the people that he's writing to in order to make a connection with them. And so the people understood, as Paul uses terms like this, they understood that whenever uh, you had money, one thing you'd want to do is you'd want to put it in a bank. And if you put it in the bank, then they understood that your money was supposed to be safe there. And so the idea that Paul uses today is that once you invest your life in Jesus, once you put your life in his hands, that he's going to take care of you. That, That he's going to make sure that the deposit you make with your life is going to be safe. All right, so I tell you all these things to just share with you today some guarantees from our text that demonstrate that our relationship with God is something that's permanent. Now, what are some of the guarantees that we're given? And and I'll be brief today. We're just going to share with you three. But one of the guarantees that we're given in our text today, that our relationship with God is something that is permanent, the very first thing I see is we are his inheritance. We can know that our relationship with God is something that is permanent because we are an inheritance of God. If you look in verse number 11, it says, In him we were also made his inheritance. You might want to underline that. Predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in the Messiah might bring praise to his glory. Um, We are the inheritance of God. Uh, Let me share with you about an inheritance story. There was a, a young man whose dad was, I mean, just filthy rich, worth millions and millions of dollars. And his dad was sick, and it looked like within the next couple of weeks his dad was going to die. Uh, this son was just a freeloader, just sort of living off of his dad. Wait, he could not wait for his dad to die. It's kind of a morbid story. Couldn't wait for him to die. Thought, Man, when he dies, I am going to be rich. Now, unfortunately for him, this guy was not very attractive. He was kind of an ugly guy, and he thought, I need to go out and try to flaunt my wealth that I'm going to have, and maybe I can get a good-looking woman. And so he goes to a bar and uh, goes out there, tries to pick up a girl, and he, nothing's working for him, so he decides to play the money card. He said, you know, my dad, he walked up to this beautiful girl, says, my dad is really sick. He'll probably die within the next two weeks, and when he dies, I'm going to be worth $20 million. Now, the lady looked at him and said, really? He said, yeah. He said, would you like to, would you like to come home with me tonight? Uh, he was very impressed that she said yes. So he got really excited about it, took her home. Four days later, she became his stepmother. Now, uh, y'all, an inheritance is, 
It's not a true story, actually. Uh, but an, an inheritance is something that is... I saw that story and I thought that's really good, but maybe it wasn't as good as I thought. Uh, inheritance can seem kind of morbid to some of us, because before you receive an inheritance, what, what has to happen? Somebody's got to die, right? And not just somebody, the guy with the money's got to die. And so that's how you get your inheritance. And so an inheritance can seem, can seem kind of morbid. When I look into our scripture, though, we are told that we receive those who, who say, I want to be a follower of God, that I want to invest my life in Him and serve Him. The Bible says that we receive an inheritance that comes from God. In 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, unfaded, kept in heaven for you. Now what kind of an inheritance do we receive from God? We're told that we receive a permanent inheritance. I mean, it is an inheritance that you can never lose. In 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says that that inheritance is imperishable, it's uncorrupted, it's unfaded, and it's kept in heaven for you. That word kept means to protect, it means to guard. Your inheritance in God is guarded and protected for you in heaven. Now, who's the one that protects the inheritance God promises us? The Bible says it's God. Can you think of a better guard for your inheritance than God himself. I, I can't, that's pretty neat. God is watching out for the promises that he's given us, which is eternal life and forgiveness. But there's another angle that, I, that for the first time, I, I, I've never noticed this before, paid attention to it before, but there's another angle that's given to us concerning our inheritance in God. Our verses today tell us that we, those who are followers of Jesus, that you are God's inheritance. And I never paid attention to that before. But those who are followers of God, you are the inheritance of God. And that has some serious ramifications for us. For one, you know what that means for us? For those of you who are followers of Jesus, think about that. You are the inheritance of God. That means your life has value. Do you understand that? And it's real easy to think, you know, I, I tell you what, I've, I've lived, I, you know, I look at my life and I've lived and done things where I think God, God's going to look at me and say, just forget him. I can't do anything with that person. That person is beyond my reach. But whenever I look at scripture today, it says that I and those who are followers of God, that I am his inheritance. Now, if you have something of value, something that's worth a lot, what are you gonna What are you gonna do with whatever you have that's worth a lot? You're gonna protect it, aren't you? You know, if you have something of value, you want to make sure that it's safe. When God looks at you, He sees you of being of value, and He's going to do whatever it takes in order to protect you. Why? Because you are God's wealth. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor the things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. God protects his wealth. 
Jesus said in John 10, 29, he said, no one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. Why is God interested in protecting us? Because we're valuable. And we belong to God. We are his wealth. And if we are God's wealth, he will protect his people. He will keep you. Now, when I read that and I thought about that for the first time, I was, I was really encouraged by that. I thought, I, I matter. You matter. But not only are you seen as being God's wealth, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that God doesn't just view us as his inheritance. He views us as his bride. Those who are followers of Jesus are called the bride of Christ. And if you are a bride, husbands with your bride, when you first got married, you, you, you will do anything for your bride. You want to watch out for your bride. You want to take care of her. You want to protect her. And God with his people looks at us as being his bride, and he will do whatever it takes in order to protect us. So what do we see from our text today? How do we know that our relationship with God is guaranteed, that it's permanent? It's because we're an inheritance that comes from God. Now, if you're here today and you think, you know what, I don't think my life means anything. I don't think my life carries any value. Let me tell you something. Your life is very valuable. God sees you as his inheritance and his wealth. And you ought to be encouraged by that. So how, how, how can I know that, that my relationship, or how can I be guaranteed that my relationship with God is something that is permanent? Well, we're, we're God's inheritance. God's going to take care of his stuff. How else can I know that my, my relationship with God, or what is another guarantee that I'm given that my relationship with God is permanent? And I think this one's really neat. Now, we can know that our relationship with God is permanent because we've been sealed. And I'll, I'll try, hopefully I'll explain this well to you. If you look in verse 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in him, when you believed, it says you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now we need to examine this verse because it lets us know how we can come into a relationship with God. And it tells us that we come into a relationship with God when we believe the truth of God. When we believe in his truth, the word of truth. Now, the word of truth is referring to the good news of Jesus. Uh, in the Bible, y'all, I, I know you have. You've heard the word gospel. The word gospel literally means the good news. Now, what is the good news of Jesus? What is the good news that he wants to share with us? 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. It says, now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, what's the good news? By this gospel, what is it? You are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Here's more of the good news. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Salvation is the goodness of Jesus, because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. It means that we have the opportunity to have life eternal when we believe in Jesus. And that word believe, it's talking about us placing our hope in Jesus, our trust in him, our faith that he does what he says that he's going to do for us. And God says when we believe in Jesus, what Jesus does is he marks us with a seal. What is the importance of a seal? Well, you know, whenever you sign a, a document, many times they will stamp a seal on it to show that it is a completed transaction. 
When you come into relationship with God, God says, I stamp you with a seal, signifying that the transaction has been completed. You have been bought. You have been paid for. That word seal signifies ownership. I didn't grow up in a, I did not grow up in the in the country did not grow up on a ranch but you know I I've been around cattle I've seen them and I, I I don't I don't know a whole lot about them I just know what you know they're they're good to eat um, and uh, it's good to, to drink stuff from them you know whatever uh, but but you know cows all together they pretty much look the same to me how about y'all I mean you know, they're different colors you know that that's about all I can tell but if you own a bunch of cattle. Yeah, you can look at them after a period of time, and you start to wonder, how can you tell, how does the owner, if they all kind of get mixed together, how does he tell which ones are his? So, What does he do to differentiate which, which cattle belong to him and which don't? He brands them. I mean, he just, he brands them, and when his seal is in that cow or that bull, he knows, oh, it's got my mark. So I know that it belongs to me. That is the idea that's being told that when we are sealed in the Holy Spirit, what God does when we believe in Him, He brands us. He brands us with the Holy Spirit so that He can know who belongs to Him. Now that's really cool. But the question many of us have after a period of time is, can that brand ever fade away? How, how many times does a, does a rancher brand his cattle? Does a brand when you get when you get something burned into your skin? Does it just sort of does it fade away after a period of time? Y'all, it is a permanent mark. It is there for good. And the same idea is true when God brands us. It's not something that fades away. It is something that is stamped on you for all time. And so you don't have to worry that it's going to fade away. You have been sealed in God. That word sealed also doesn't just signify ownership. It signifies protecting you from the elements. You know, when you seal something in, you know, you have a Ziploc bag. You seal it in in order to keep, you know, to keep it from getting, I guess, stale, uh, from getting freezer burn. It protects from the outside elements. That is, that is another indication of what this word means. When you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, you are sealed to be protected from the outside elements of this world. Let me try to give you kind of an example. I've, I've had the opportunity over the years to fly overseas. Um, and as we've, every time we've flown overseas, one thing, I, I have never flown overseas in a convertible airplane. You know, where the top's down. Now, you know, you think, that sounds kind of cool, but can you imagine being 30,000 feet in the air going 600 miles an hour with the top down? I can't even imagine what, what it would be like trying to eat those wonderful peanuts, you know, that they give us on those planes. Uh, it would mess up your hair, uh, but not only that, if you're 30,000 feet in the air, you know, it's good to fly at 30,000 feet because the air's smoother up there. It makes for a smoother ride, but oxygen... Not so much. You know, it's not, it's not very good for us to breathe. You can't breathe when you get that high. Hence, they have pressurized cabins. And the pressurized cabin is there so that you'll be able to survive, so that you'll be able to breathe. Now, if the plane is not sealed in, if it's not pressurized, you know what's going to happen to that cabin? It's going to get crushed like a tin can because of the outside elements. This is the idea that's being told here. The Holy Spirit seals us so that we will not be crushed by sin. You see, if we do not have the Holy Spirit sealing us with the power of God, we will pay the consequences 
of sin, which is to be separated from God for an eternity. Now, how can I know, or how can we know, or what are the guarantees given to us that demonstrate our relationship with God is permanent? We're his inheritance. We've been sealed. And this is the last thing I want you to see. Another guarantee demonstrating our relationship with God is permanent is that we've been given a deposit to guarantee this. Look with me in verse 14, our last verse. It says, He is the deposit or the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of His glory. Uh, Debt is a major problem in the United States today. Now, I know that many of you here today, that, that you don't struggle with that, but for most Americans, debt is a big problem. I think I saw that the average American carries with them uh, about $16,000 of debt. Now, wouldn't it be neat if uh, somebody came along and told us, hey, the debt that you have, our debt is forgiven. Wouldn't that be great? No more debt. Now, don't bank on that, y'all, because it's, it's not going to happen. But that would, it's kind of a nice idea to think somebody's going to pay off our debt. Well, the thing is, we don't just have... We don't just struggle with financial debt in our lives. The Bible says that we have moral debt as well. We have spiritual debt. And some of us can think, well, you know, I'm, I'm paying that off. You know, I know I've done some bad things in my life, but I'm trying to do more good things than bad things, so I think I'm going to be okay. Or maybe I've already done that. I'm, I've, I've already paid off that debt. Not according to Scripture. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned. And we fall short of God's glory. And we can't pay that debt off on our own. The bill is way too high for us. And so what's the result of carrying debt? Spiritual debt, the result of that is separation from God. It's to be separated from God for an eternity in this place that's called hell. So how can our debt be paid off? We can't pay it off. Only God can do it. And we place our hope and our trust in God. God says, I will take care of your debt. Now that sounds good to hear the words that God says he can take care of our debt. But God goes a step further. He says, I'm going to give you a down payment. I'm going to give you a deposit to prove to you that I'll pay off your debt. What is the deposit? It's the Holy Spirit. That word deposit means earnest money. It's another banking term that Paul uses. I learned about earnest money whenever we bought our very first house. It is a guarantee that in the future, God's going to come through on what he said he would do. Uh, That word deposit, it also means this. It means engagement ring. So I think that's really neat. God gives his people an engagement ring to assure them that he's going to keep his promise for the future. Um, December 19th, 1991, I got engaged to my first wife, Emily. We're still married. I got engaged to Emily, and I went to uh, uh, Lookout Mountain. No, it was Missionary Ridge. Uh, Missionary Ridge, Tennessee, where Emily lived. Went up there. Um, I, y'all, I was, we, dated for, we dated for a couple years. I was scared to death. Um, now, I, I love, love Emily, wanted to marry her, but just the idea that this is... Uh, I mean, this is kind of, it's like, you know, it's a big deal, right? And so I had this, I bought this ring, and I went up there, and I got on my, you know, got on my knee, and it was December, it was really cold, and I asked her to marry me, and, uh, and, and I put that ring on her finger. Now, I put that ring on her finger is a big deal to me, because I knew whenever I was doing this, I knew I am making a promise that I'm going to come through on what I said. 
I mean, I was, I was basically, I said, I'm giving you this ring because there's going to be a day, and it, it was six months from that time, there's going to be a day when I'm going to have you come and live with me. It's the greatest day of her life. And so, uh, so I, gave her, I gave her that ring. Now, it was an engagement ring. It was a promise that I was giving to her. This is what the Bible means when it says that God has given us a deposit which is the Holy Spirit. God has given us the Holy Spirit as a, an engagement ring to us to say, listen, all those promises that I make to you, forgiveness, fulfillment, abundant life, eternal life, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to let you know there's going to be a day when I will come for you. And I'm going to take you to come and live with me in heaven. And when God makes a promise, he keeps it. Now, how can I know? What guarantee have I been given that my relationship with God is something that's permanent? That's one of the neat things in the book of Ephesians. Paul finds it very important to share this with us in the very first chapter. He says we can, we're guaranteed an inheritance with God. Uh, we're guaranteed life eternal with God. First of all, because we are the inheritance of God. We've been sealed by God. And we've been given a deposit. When God says we are his inheritance, he is serious about it. And if you wonder, can I have certainty? Can I know that when God makes a promise that he's going to keep it? I hope you see today that when God makes a promise, he is always true to his word. He is engaged to his people to be wed to them for an eternity. Now here's the question that I want to leave you with today. I think the question all of us have to deal with. And I just ask yourself this question. Do I have a plane ticket with God? You know, do I have reservations with God? Am I engaged to God? Now, some of you might say, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I might be. Or I'm working on that. Or I feel like if I become a better person, that things are going to be good. Some of you might even say, you know what, man, I, I don't think I am. Let me tell you something. I it's, you need to remove all doubt about that today. Because God wants you and I to know, wants you and me to know with certainty that we can belong to Him. You see, 1 John 5.13 says this. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Not so that you can wonder. God says, I want you to know that you have eternal life. Do you know? Do you have certainty? 